All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices, people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, we've got Colin O'Brady, who is a 10-time world record-breaking explorer, speaker, entrepreneur, and mindset expert. His feats include the world's first solo, unsupported, and fully human-powered crossing of Antarctica, speed records for the Explorer's Grand Slam, in the Seven Summits, and the first human-powered ocean row across the Drake Passage. His work has been featured by the New York Times, The Tonight Show, The Joe Rogan Experience, and The Today Show. He is the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Impossible First, and now The 12-Hour Walk, Invest One Day, Conquer Your Mind, and Unlock the Best Life. Colin, welcome to the show, brother. Yeah, great to be here with you, my friend. I was reading the book, The 12-Hour Walk, and there were just so many moments of, of like out loud, hell yeah, like that, you know, just from your stories and the way that you structured it and looped in the limiting beliefs and like how we can just crush those. It's, um, I'm excited because your book, by the time this airs, your book will release, I think, in like two days after type thing. So we're recording this pretty quick. Um, and I can't wait. I can't wait for people to experience the book, but also to experience the actual uh, walk itself, which is so cool. So, so thanks for doing this. Yeah, man, my pleasure. I'm, I'm excited. I'm fired up. You know, I know uh, fellow author to fellow author, you know, I put a lot of blood, sweat, tear, heart in these pages, but, um, yeah, just so excited to, to share these stories, but more than anything, um, to get people come moving in their own way, unlocking their best lives. Um, and it's just, it's just been such a, a labor of love and it's just so fun to finally be at that point ready to share it with the world. Um, thank you for yeah. the kind feedback. The, the early feedback has been incredibly supportive and uh yeah man it'll, it's time it's time to share it with the world absolutely and good choice of words with you know getting people moving because there's obviously moving physically but i'm excited i just registered my walk i'm doing uh actually the day before september uh, september 9th uh nice. and i'm excited for the mental movement probably the most in the in the whole experience so uh, before I'm I'm going too fast in this because uh, we have to back it up. Everyone gets the same question first, just to set the tone. So before we get into all of this, let's strip away everything I just read in the bio, the things you've done, the titles, all of that, and just who are you? Oh, who am I? Um, uh, adventurer, but uh, not in the context yeah. that you might think. Um, you know, yes, I've walked across Antarctica and done these, these physical feats of adventure, but I think I'm just a, a curious human being, um, curious to explore and adventure, um, through all the tapestries and the up and downs and the, the curiosity, um, that life has in store for us. Where has that, where did that sense of adventure come from? Like, where did that spark for you? Because you weren't you know, always doing this, right? Like, no, I re- no, no. I wasn't always, you know, uh, walking across continents and things, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, I, I, I somewhat of an untraditional background. Um, you know, my I was actually born at a hippie commune in Olympia, Washington on a futon. My mom invited 30 of her hippie friends over to hang out and celebrate uh, a new life. And she played Bob Marley Redemption Song on repeat throughout my entire birth. So I, I'd say that's a somewhat yeah. uh, untraditional way to come onto this planet. I'd say. Um, but you know, as a kid, I didn't have a lot of resources. We didn't have a ton of money. My parents were young when they had me. Um, but 
the the dreaming uh, and the curiosity was always front and center. You know, people ask my mom now. She, you know, they, she said they say to her like, "Wow, you're his mom. Like, you you know, watch him do these kind of death defying, super risky things. You know, climb Everest twice, row a boat across the most dangerous ocean, walk across the continent. You know, these types of things. You know, I must be worried." And she always says, "She goes, yeah." But it serves me right. You know, careful what you wish for when every day <laughs> since your kid was born, you whisper in his ears, you can do anything you set your mind to. Um, yeah. And so, again, I didn't have the breadth and depth and the, you know, the the opportunities in terms of resources to travel far and wide, you know, as a young kid. But I think that I was traveling far and, my, far and wide in my mind um, from a young age. And, and as I got older, yeah. you know, I worked extremely hard to, to bring those uh, from dreams into reality. I love it. It's interesting because I mean, as you know, when we're younger, and I I see this, I have a a six year old and and now seven month old, which uh, he's a bit young to see this yet, but just like, just like that childlike curiosity, right? That everyone talks about, where there's just, there's just no judgment on the world. There's no judgment coming back. It's just pure, wide open questions and like, well, well, why the hell do we tie our shoes up like that? You know, like just the, you know, the craziest of curiosity. It sounds like you kept that though. No, but, and I love what you say about that. Uh, It's a great entry point because the the foundational principle of the 12 hour walk is is this mindset that I call a possible mindset. And I define it literally page one right up front. And I say, how I define a possible mindset is an empowered way of thinking that unlocks a life of limitless possibilities. And I, I do a lot of public speaking, you know, everything from, you know, Fortune 100, the biggest, you know, companies, Amazon, Google's, whatever the world, all the way down to have nonprofit that I've had a million students enrolled in various programs throughout the years. So I guess pre-COVID, I spent a lot of time in, in classrooms and gymnasiums with, with students, young students. And I asked this question to people of all different ages, and, and I actually opened the book framing this question, which is, what's your Everest? What's your Everest? I say, look, my yeah. childhood dream was to climb Mount Everest. I've been fortunate to do that twice now in my life um, and, and accomplish some other things that I d- dreamed of. But like, I don't think that every single person wants to climb a mountain or go freeze their butt off in the middle of Antarctica by themselves. Like, that's <laughs> Understandably, yeah. that's not for everyone. So what's your Everest, right? And it's an obvious metaphor. I started out by asking young kids this question. And what's so interesting that I found over time is I'll be in a, a gymnasium full of 500 you know, elementary school kids, third, fourth, fifth graders, nine, 10 years old. And I'll say, what's your Everest? 500 hands shoot up into the air. Literally yeah. every single kid has an answer and they want to tell the answer and they want to say it in front of all their peers. They're like, my Mount Everest is to be the first person in my family to graduate from college. Or, you know, my Mount Everest is to make sure the snow leopards are off the endangered species list. You know, whatever. Like this, this yeah. kids are just dreaming. And I ask high school kids, some amount, only half of the hands go up. I ask college kids, only a third of the hands go up. I ask, you know, I'm speaking at a company with, you know, people that are middle-aged. I'm lucky if I get two or three hands that get raised in the air. And and I noticed this anecdotally over time. And then I put some thought into it. It's like this book, The 12-Hour Walk, I know we'll talk more about it, is a recipe, is a diagnosis, is a prescription for unlocking your best life. And more than anything, unlocking this mindset of limitless possibilities, but what I've realized is I'm not teaching you something new. We are born, just like your six-year-old yeah. son. We are actually born with possible mindsets. We come into this world believing in limitless possibilities. 
And unfortunately, our society and our culture narrows that viewpoint smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And oftentimes we reach middle age feeling stuck or trapped or unclear in our direction or unclear in our purpose. So the book is something I'm wildly proud of. But in anything, it's an essence of reteaching you something that you were born with. It's not this new topic. It's actually something that already lives inside of you. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it 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 is a nice perspective shift because ascent, like you said, I mean, essentially we were born curious, we we're born with that that possible mindset, and then we were programmed, which means we can be reprogrammed. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to share. We'll have to, we'll get into like the opening story of the book because that leads really well into your speaking and and whatnot um, coming out of that penthouse elevator. Uh, that's the one I'm, I'm referring to. But it's, I think you know we don't give ourselves the time to, to or, or I should say, give us our minds the space to slow down, come off the people mover, and actually th- allow our minds to think and clear out some of that mental pollution. And that was so obvious in the way you opened the book with these incredibly successful, you know, uh, on paper, I guess you could say, uh, humans. Uh, I don't want to take it away. You, yeah. Why don't you share the story? Because it was a beautiful way to open the book. Yeah, yeah. No, and it was a, it was a kind of a eureka aha moment for me as well. So uh, I, uh, I was invited. I, I, I do, like I said, I do quite a bit of public speaking and I was invited to give this speech to, you know, like 500 Wall Street bankers. But the night before, um, they invited me to kind of like a more intimate, small gathering, a bunch of kind of hedge fund managers, CEO kind of guys, you know, extremely wealthy, successful guys in, the, in this penthouse for a dinner the night before my speech. And uh, I'm, I'm headed up to the speech and, and, I, and I, I'm kind of, I don't know, I, I, maybe because I'm a West Coast kid, but I kind of come as I am, you know, black t-shirt <laughs> jeans, walk in the front door. And the first thing that happens is the doorman in this fancy building looks at me and goes, I've told you this before. If you're with catering, you need to use the service elevator. Like I'm like, because I'm trying to get up to the penthouse. And he, I'm like, yeah. um, I think I'm expected. And he just like doesn't believe that I'm supposed to be there. And I'm definitely a fish out of water in this environment. I walk in, you know, suited and booted, you know, Armani custom suits and hundred thousand dollar watch, you know, you know the deal. But like these guys, whatever, very successful. um, As you say, on paper, financially, certainly have had a massive amount of success um, in their lives. And it's an older crowd, you know, the average age, sixty five, seventy, maybe a few people a little older. And, you know, we sit down for dinner and they start throwing all sorts of questions at me. You know, Colin, did you see any dead bodies on Everest? You know, did you, did you, you know, what was it like rowing a boat across the most dangerous ocean in the world? And, and I share many of those deeper in those stories in the book. Yeah. And, and I love the curiosity, you know, and it's a fun conversation to have. But, you know, I very quickly, not deflect, but I love to have a two-way conversation. So I'm always just curious. I'm like, okay, here's these guys, titans of industry, clearly, you know, quote unquote, air quote, successful. Like, what's your Everest? Or what was your Everest? What were your childhood dreams? Like, what, you know, what what lights you guys up? And usually, I mean, I've asked that question to so many people, it, even if they only get a few hands raised, it usually at least inspires some sort of interesting dialogue <laughs> yeah. or conversation. And I just get crickets. These, these guys are staring back at me like, you know, no, they're all looking at each other. Like I, I said, the most awkward thing in the world. And I'm like, you know, we've all been in this kind of a, in an awkward conversation at some point where it's like, yeah, anyways. So, uh, moving along, it's like that yeah. one of those moments. And I'm like, kind of like, Whoa, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, uh, okay, whatever. So I just kind of move on in my mind. I don't think too much about it. Don't let it like get me down, whatever. And as I'm like leaving to go later that night after dinner's over, a gentleman, right as I make out to get on the elevator, he, he grabs me, uh, taps me on the shoulder 
And it's older gentleman. He's like, if I had to guess, 75, 80 years old, you know, clearly towards the end of, of his life. And he says to me, I just want to apologize for my friends. Um, you asked us an important, insightful question and none of us answered. And he goes, I guess I can't speak for any of them, but if they're thinking anything like me, I think back and he goes, literally he says this without an ounce of bluster. He goes, Colin, I've made more money than you could possibly imagine. He goes, but there's not a day that goes by that I don't think back to this moment as a 14-year-old kid at summer camp in the Catskills and the peace and the calm and the serenity and the fulfillment. And he just goes kind of wistfully, kind of like, almost got a tear in his eyes, actually. And he goes, you know, I wonder what would have happened if I had had the gumption to actually ask myself that question over time. And he's basically saying like, hey, I've reached some massive mountaintops. But I didn't yeah. ask myself what my Everest was. I was living this life of other people's expectation or society's programming or this. And again, the story is not to vilify this guy's success. He should be super proud of what he does or vilify money or anything like that. You know, I've worked yeah. hard to create a financial abundance in my own life. But it was stark to be sitting there with the archetypical, quote unquote, successful, you know, person yeah. and still have him be offering a, a bit of regret on life yeah. and feeling like the clock had run out on him being able to do anything about it. Well, and I think from the outside, you know, people that weren't in that room would, would see that group as, wow, I mean, they just must be living the life, you know? And like, to me, that's, that's the part that, you know, is, is, is sad in a way. Right. And, and I, I think the other, the other thing to note though, is that it doesn't matter. I really don't think it matters what age you're at. You know, it's never too late to yes. start asking some of these questions. May, you know, maybe you may be limited in, in some capacity, uh, depending on, you know, what you're trying to do, but even that, I don't know. I mean, I've seen some pretty I, badass 80 year olds running marathons <laughs> and, and whatnot. Right. So totally. And I said that to him, I said, Hey, you know, it's, it's not too late, but you know, it's, uh, you know, this book at its core is an invitation, No, literally, no matter what phase of life you're at. And it's not, it might seem like a fitness challenge. It's not a fitness challenge. It's an exercise of mind to check in with yourself, to reset yeah. your mind, body, to reorient. And that's not to say, oh my God, I'm going to blow up my whole life and change everything tomorrow. I mean, if that's the kind of reset you're looking for, fine. But I think any of us, even those of us that love 97% of our life, our family, our kids, even our career, what we do, like there's always a little bit of like that subtle reorientation. Now, if you don't take any time to have these inflection points in life, it might be less subtle because you're like, you, let, you, yeah. you know, I love the metaphor of, you know, if, if each one of us are walking down a path and you turn 1% to the right and I turn 1% to the left, well, we're going to be walking next to each other for quite some time. But fast forward 10 years, we're going to, you know, end up on the other side of the planet from another. Like one degree of difference can actually be a world yeah. of difference, particularly over time. And so this 12-hour walk and the actual prescriptive exercise of it, which is beyond the book, but really the global movement capacity of it is this open invitation to anyone of any walk of life, of any circumstance to say the most important muscle that we have is the six inches between our ears, our minds, and to cultivate and strengthen that is the most core component to unlocking the best life, no matter how you define it. That could be making a million dollars. That could be saving a million lives. That could be diving deep with your family. Yeah. That could be starting a business or creativity. Like there's no right answer. It's your Everest. But yeah, this applies across to everyone. Yeah, 100%. Well, and the other thing I like about it, Colin, is that you don't have to wait to hit that metaphorical wall, right? Where usually that, because it's like the, 
the, the arc that I see, and I've gone through it as well, is that you ask all these questions as a kid, as you're, as you're seeing, the hands start going down, you jump into some sort of career, it's usually going well, uh, and it's not always the case, but often these stories are, then there's like this big moment, something happens, and then you start asking questions again, like, well, who am I, you know, or who am I striving to become? What do I want for my life? You know, that was the one that pulled me out of a, an interesting situation, but you don't have to wait for that, right? Like, mm-hmm. you just give yourself that opportunity, right, to, to sit in, in, in silence and, and see what comes up. And I'm curious, like, you've gone through so many of these wild expeditions. How, and I don't know, I don't know if, if they're different per expedition, but like, what kind of questions and when do they start surfacing on your journeys? Like, what comes up for you? Yeah, no, it, 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 it's a great, it, it's a great question in itself. What questions is a great question. Um, you know, from the outside looking in, there's obviously a sort of, uh, external success quotient to what I've done, right? I sit here with 10 world records. You know, I was the first person across Antarctica solo, the first one to row this, you know, Drake passage rowboat. And, and I would be completely disingenuous if it said there's 0% of me that, that is aware of that, right? Like that I like setting goals and sometimes in those sort of yeah. tangible frameworks, um, you know, inspires me because like a world record means like, you know, the highest of high performance um, in, in whatever it is you're doing. But the questions for me, actually start before that. And as I've gained wisdom from my own experiences over time, they start long before that because what's driving me at this point, and I say this to everyone, what's their Everest is like, that's really just like an end goal. It's something to aim for, but the juice of the experience, it's been said a million times, it's the journey and not destination, right? And so with Antarctica, for example, the solo crossing, the biggest question I asked myself, even before but departing, again, there was, can I do it? Is my body up to the task? Can I pull a 375-pound yeah. sled? How cold is how cold is Antarctica in the interior? Okay, minus 40, but minus 70 winter. You know, you got to answer some of those questions. How much, how much food can I carry without starving, but without being a too, you know, those things. But the real question that I asked myself, and I and I called my project um, and also the name of my my first book, The Impossible First. And now that I've been successful with that, a lot of people have looked back and been like, oh, you call it the impossible first because you wanted to prove the impossible is possible and like whatever. And, you know, that that's maybe a nice thing, you know, whatever. But it's actually because I thought this might actually be impossible. People are saying yeah. it's impossible. Someone has died trying this crossing. People have had to be evacuated trying this. Or people have tried really experienced people like this might be impossible. But the question I ask myself is, so what? Even if this is impossible, is it still worthwhile? Imagine what can be learned about oneself by pushing that far outside of the comfort zone. And the curiosity was, where's my head going to be at on day 10? Where's my mind going to be about on day 20? And so it was this constant question. And all my expeditions really come from this place. There's the external manifestation of them. But at the end of the day, they are all deep internal journeys into my psyche, into the limits of human potential, into the mind to feel those peak arcs. And each one of them come comes from that standpoint. And I share a lot about that in the book and the 12 hour walk itself. The actual prescription of it is say like, look, you don't have to go all the way to Antarctica to experience this. In fact, I realize you could experience this right out your own front door, which is we all have the capacity to take an adventure, a deep adventure. And it tr- the truth of the matter is the deepest adventures of all is the journey within our own selves. Yeah. Oh, well said. That's such a good question too. Even if this is impossible, is this still worthwhile? I mean, that, yeah, that, 
that that hits you hard. And that, that definitely, I feel like, will inspire and, and just opens up a new frame of thinking, right? And, and level sets and, and whatnot. Hello, everyone. I first wanted to say thanks for being here and I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to let you know if you're interested, I just launched the Better Questions newsletter designed to provide you with a consistent 15-minute opportunity to pause and think because a pause leads to clarity and operating with intention where we all win and thrive. The newsletter is short, simple, and practical, providing you with three quality reflective prompts and mental fitness twice a month. But as always, I'll adjust the frequency based on your feedback. Never forget, at any point, you are always one question away from a completely different life or outcome. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com, which will also give you a free preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. BehindTheHuman.com. Now back to the show. It's, I'd have to ask you, I mean, now that you've discovered the whole concept of the 12 hour walk, you're like, oh shit, maybe I didn't need to do the Antarctica crossing. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, uh, let's just go. Kidding, obviously. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it, for, for framing, I think it, it good to go just in the origin story a little bit it helps kind yeah. of frame the idea. So I walk for 12 hours every single day, pulling my sled across Antarctica. Um, yeah. and, and there's more bits and pieces and stories of that. And this other badass military Navy SEAL dude who I was racing out there, it's British uh, Special Forces guy. And, you know, I had to go 12 hours because I was going to run out of food. I had to go 12 hours today if I want to stay in front of him. So the 12 hours was born um, and somewhat from necessity uh, in, yeah. in Antarctica. But of course, it also measures a half a day. So I needed to sleep a few hours. I needed to set up my tent. I needed to eat, et cetera. But I made it to the other side of Antarctica, um, literally on my last bite of f- food. You know, it was a bag of bones, you know, like ribs sticking out, hips sticking out, frostbite on my face, just body completely beat up on the edge, edge, edge of my limits. But what was wild was that as my body got weaker and fell apart over time, my mind got stronger. My mind actually continued to get stronger. And uh, the final chapter of, of my previous book, The Impossible First, is not, uh, you know, spoiler alert, I make it across, you know, um, is not, I did it. I'm awesome. Look at me, you know, S on my chest, you know, let me show you how cool I am. The end of the chapter, the, end of the last chapter of the book is called Infinite Love. Because after all of my ego was stripped bare, after all the intensity of this competition and be first and all this, what I found was this deep peace inside of myself, this resonant positivity, this fulfillment, this purpose, this infinite love pouring out of me. And it was one of the most beautiful places, if not the most beautiful place that I've ever been in my mind, despite the starvation, despite the challenges, I was just found this flow state, this meditative bliss in moving my body in that way. And so I thought to myself, well, great, I've hacked it. I found it. You know, I'm, I was about 33 years old at the time, I think. And I, I thought it was my 34, maybe. And I was like, you know what? I did it. I got it. I can take this with me for the rest of my life. How great. And for a long time, that was true. You know, for a long time, that was true. I I definitely, and I still, of course, hang on to pieces of that, um, that presence, that fulfillment, that purpose. And that drove the next couple of years, including other big projects and, you know, uh, books and things like that. But then COVID hits, COVID hits. And I, just like the rest of the world, life is just immediately disrupted, right? Um, yeah. 
And it not only is life disrupted, it's one thing to say like, well, I had a big expedition plan, you know, to Everest with my wife that was canceled. You know, I was on book tour for my first book, all, you know, all the promotion, all that just like canceled, you know, but it's like, boo hoo, the world had massive problems. What was really scary about the time was, you know, not missing out on a few career opportunities, but it's like, we're trapped in our house every single day. And we remember this, like the news, it's like borders are shutting, people are dying, older people are at risk. You you start worrying about your parents, your grandparents, your, you know, what, you know, what is this, you know, what do we know about this disease? Um, you know, it's a scary time. And I'm not impervious as I share the 12 hour walk is full of stories of me dealing with my own limiting beliefs and, and struggling in my own, own mind. Um, it's not a highlight reel, that's for sure. Um, but I find myself, uh, my wife and I, we went to the Oregon coast. My family has a small cabin to, to kind of, you know, ride out this lockdown, however long it was going to last. We're there with our dog and there's the two of us. And at some point she looks over at me and she's like, you know, you haven't changed out of your pajamas in three days and you've just been sitting on the couch for weeks, like doom scrolling the news and reading one harder, worse headline after the next yeah. and this. And like, it's important to be tapped into what's going on right now. But like, you're also just like clearly like, and I was like, I'm not doing well. Like I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm just like yeah. uh, not doing good. And so I kind of forced me to think back, okay, when was the last time I felt like really in my mind, body, and spirit? And I thought, you know, weirdly enough, despite as how hard Antarctica was, it was towards the end of that, that journey. And what was I doing? Well, I was walking alone 12 hours a day in silence. And so I said to my wife, I said, this sounds ridiculous, but tomorrow morning I'm going for a long walk. Might even be 12 hours. Um, you know, I'll, I'll see you around dinner. And she says, yeah, okay. You know, she just she rolls her eyes. Well she knows me point. well enough to just be like, yeah, okay, have fun, whatever. And so... I walk out the front door, um, strap on my shoes, go for a walk. 20 minutes in, the phone, my phone buzzes in my pocket. And I instinctively reach for it to like, I know my buddy's texting me. I'm like going to text him back, whatever. I'm like, wait a second. Like, what am I doing? Like, I've been staring at my phone, my social media, my this. And it's not to vilify that. It's like in this moment, like maybe I can just set that aside too. So I put my yeah. phone on airplane mode, no music, no podcast, just the solitude uh, of the of the surroundings. And I walk and look, I take breaks. I sit down, I rest, I reflect, but I maintain the solitude and silence the entire time. And I get back to my front door. My dog jumps up on me. He's happy to see me home. Um, and then my wife looks over at me, my wife, Jenna, and she goes, you're back. And I was like, yeah, I told you I'd come back around. And she goes, no, 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 you're back. Like mm. she could see it. Like just like yeah. the, the, my spirit was back. And I said, yeah, wow, that was, man, I feel better than I have felt in so long. Now I thought, look, I, I even said to myself at the time, I was like, yeah, that was great. You know, I'm the guy who walked across Antarctica. I can like revisit that because I've done all this walking and meditation and mindfulness work yeah. over my life, whatever. You know, this is a me thing. Cool. But of course, we all knew tons of people during COVID who were experiencing difficult times. I mean, everyone's mm-hmm. a t- tough time in our you know world's history, right? And so close friends, colleagues, neighbors, et cetera, would share with me, hey, man, I'm struggling, haven't been out of my house, or I'm stuck in this rut, or I don't know what to do, or my job's fully remote now. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, just like all yeah. the things that people are dealing with, right? It's such a disruptive time. Or I-, I love my wife, but I'm not used to spending this much time with her, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff, right? All the things that happened in COVID. And I told people about this walk. And, you know, somewhat to my surprise, all sorts of people, young, old, fit, not so fit, people of all different circumstances started taking me up on it. And, 
Because I said to them, I was like, you don't have to train for this. You can walk a one mile or 50 miles. My 77-year-old mother-in-law, she took the 12-hour walk. For her, what it looked like is walking one time around her block, then sitting on her porch for, for an hour, and then walking another time around her block. She maybe covered a mile in 12 hours. I've had my yeah. ultra-marathon friends you know, go 50 miles. Neither yeah. one of them are doing it better or worse than the other yeah. person. And the one, But the one through line is this. Every single person that I have known to take the walk, has come back feeling stronger in their presence of mind, letting go of a lot of those limiting beliefs, embracing this possible mindset, ready to make a shift, having some deep insight about what's being stuck. And it's simple. And that's why I was so passionate about writing the book. And the book, of course, is more than just, you know, I could send a tweet out that says, walk outside your front door, turn your phone off and go for a walk. So the book, obviously, there's a lot more to it in the juice of that. But if you boil it down, it's a call to action. My next Everest is to inspire 10 million people to take this 12-hour walk because I think that's a type of world I want to live in, a live in where people are making those, those inflection points, taking that moment to dive into the stillness and the silence of their brain and ultimately coming out impacted in a positive and stronger way. Yeah. I, so I've got the, the book open right now and it's so beautifully done because I, I'm probably a very typical use case. I mean, we, we connected before this interview, obviously, and, you know, I knew about your work and uh, looked into the 12 hour walk. And I'm like, oh, cool. I, re- I should really do that. And it, and it kind of stopped there. And then I was starting to prepare for our conversation and I'm like, okay, yeah, what day can I do? But I'm like, ah, I don't know if I have, uh, I don't know if I have, to have the time to do that or, <laughs> uh, you know, what, what, like, what's my wife going to say about that? And I'm, I'm looking at the book because part two, the limiting beliefs, I'm like, fuck, Colin's got me here. Like he's, he's got answers to all of these. Cause this, you know, these are the, these are the things that will come up, right? I hate being uncomfortable. I'm broken. will never be the same. I'm afraid of failing. I don't know what to do. I don't have the right friends. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have what it takes. So by the time you get to the end of this, like, well, I'm going on the walk, clearly, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, this, well, it's ridiculous if, if I don't. So, I love and I registered, that. obviously. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so excited to have your participation. Um, you can do the walk any day, 12hourwalk.com. You sign up, you commit. And, and the reason I do that, it, it's completely free, obviously, and it's outside your front door. But, you know, psychology says you, you sign up, you put it on your calendar. It's actually, you know, n- highly, highly, highly more likely for you to do it. So I'm just your accountability partner um, in yeah. that by, by sharing some emails with you and some inspiration once you put it on your calendar to get you all the way out that door. Um, also inviting mass participants patient on September 10th. I'm doing the walk on September 10th. So if people are looking, you're still doing it out your front door by yourself, but to know that there's others out there um, taking it on. But I love what you say. Uh, it, it's a very candid response. I love it to see it in real time. But what I've realized about the 12-hour walk is that the experience actually starts right now. Well, what I mean by right now is, of course, the 12 hours of walking, the stillness, the day you put it on your calendar, you know, and actually doing it, that, that's, that's the deep, that's the, the depth of the work. But it starts right now because here's the thing. Assuming this is the first time you're hearing about this, you're listening to Mark and I chat on on his awesome podcast here, and you're hearing about this for the very first time. Well, I'm effectively holding a mirror up to you just by suggesting this to you. So let's say there's 1% of you that are like, oh my God, 
this is the best idea ever. I've already gone on the website. I'm signed up. Cohen's the greatest, whatever. Okay, great. Welcome. I appreciate the excitement. That's awesome. I hope that there's more than 1% that feel that way. But then let's say there's another, you know, 5% of people are like, this is the dumbest, stupidest idea I've ever heard, whatever. I'm deleting this podcast. I'm blocking Colin on social media. I want nothing to do with this. <laughs> Hopefully there's not a ton of you, but you know, there might be a few. But what I find is most people are, are in the middle. You know, 95% of people live in this middle ground where they're like, okay, it's sort of interesting. I've piqued my interest a little bit, but then your mind starts to do something exactly what your mind started to do. It starts bargaining with yourself because this is this is a tip. This is, I do this too. This is a common human experience. You go like, yeah, I would do that, but like, you know, I don't have enough time for that. I got busy life of kids and family. I don't, you know, I, my feet are gonna get hurt. I don't like being uncomfortable. Whatever. What's so interesting about this moment in time and why I say it's me holding up a mirror to you is that. Everyone, almost everyone applies limiting beliefs to the 12 hour walk itself, the exercise of it before they even start. But what I have found, but what I have found is that those limiting beliefs that you apply to the 12 hour walk when you're listening and hearing about this for the first time are more often than not the exact same limiting beliefs that you are overlaying on dozens and dozens and dozens of opportunities and and things that happen in your day-to-day life. Meaning like, it might be a different limiting belief for you as it is for the next person, but whatever's looping in your brain, it's not actually just about the 12-hour walk. I'm giving you this as an exercise, as a fill-in for you to look in the mirror. But here's the magic in it. it here, you know, that that's the kind of calling you out and laughing at like, yep, that there you caught me. You caught me, you know, <laughs> nagging on my own self. But here's the here's the beauty of it. You said, Oh, I don't have enough time for this. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll do it, like whatever. But then you committed. And you're going to do this walk on September 9th, which is so awesome. I can't wait to hear about your experience. And here's the thing is that you start to go, you do the walk. And then a week after the walk, something else comes up. And you, you go, your first thought is, oh, man, I don't have enough time for that. Then you go, wait a second. Hello, Mr. Limiting Belief Voice. I remember the last time you told me that, yeah. but I didn't listen to you. I did the walk and the walk was amazing and it was beautiful. And I'm so glad I did it. Guess what? This is a limiting belief. I use that word intentionally. It's not a limiting truth. It's not a limiting fact. This is a belief. This is a belief. Beliefs can be rewritten. We are the stories we tell ourselves. And so that limiting belief by actually taking on the 12-hour walk and doing it, it proves to your own self that you have the capacity within you to overcome these things. And the ripple effect on your decision-making and the outcomes of your life are impacted over and over and over again by the power you gain from doing the walk. Well said. And I'll, I'll be honest, you, it was, there's one quote I pulled out of your book that actually was, I think, kind of the, the, the catalyst to, to getting me to sign up and, and shifting my perspective. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it in a minute because it, there's also a reason why I'm doing it on the 9th. Because originally, uh, I was all set to go and I'm like, ah, 10th, it's a Saturday. I'm like, I already have like this mountain biking trip books. I'm already away from the family on the weekend. And again, the negotiation and all yeah. that started. So I'm like, but eventually I read this quote and I'm like, screw it. I'll do it on the Friday. And, and that's why it's booked. And it's this, when you look in the mirror, do you see yourself only as you are? Or do you also see the person you'll become? Being able to see the person I'd become was how I was able to leap from never having rowed a boat to rowing the Drake Passage. And that one call and I was like, okay, there's that <laughs> mirror. I mean, you just, you talked about it, but like there, there it is. And again, the power of, of questions, right? Just hit me right in the face. I'm like, let's, let's, let's stop the chatter and just do it. Right. Just do I it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did want to ask you about that, that, that reflection though, on your side, just, you know, like what, 
for you, what kind of reflection did you have to run to get to this point of understanding like who you did, who you do want to be become? Because I know you, you're a journaler, you've, you've got different mental fitness practices and meditation and, and so forth. Like what's been helpful for you to get clear on the, who that person is? You know, um, it, very thoughtful about this response. That's an important question. Um, I think that for me, you know, and again, this is definitely part of this is instilled from my mother. Um, and, and she's definitely long before I called it a possible mindset was the first one was just always daring me to dream without limits. And I think one of the exercises that has worked for me um, and that it certainly is, is part of why, and I'd say in large part, why I am who I am and where I've gotten to where I've gotten to is by, you know, in terms of putting it into a simple exercise, I can certainly wrap it in story and how that's actually existed in my life. But the exercise is as simple as saying, dare to dream without limits. Like for one, okay. If you, if you're just, I'm a practical person, I know there's limits in life. I have this. Okay, fine, 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 fine. Yeah. You, that, that's how you want to think, but humor me for a minute here. And if you could do anything, if life could be any way you want it to be, what would that look like? And that, I mean, I I, I am going to wrap it in story because there's such an important point in my life where this happens that just changed everything for me, which is as a young person, I always dreamed about traveling around the world, but I never got Mm. an opportunity to have a lot of money when I was a kid. And uh, so I saved up money painting houses um, in the summer. And uh, finally, when I graduated from college, I had a few thousand bucks saved up. I got like the cheapest student ticket ever to travel uh, uh, to the other side of the world to have a little bit of an exploration on the cheap shoestring budget, hitchhiking around, sleeping on couches and floors, a surfboard and a backpack. Um, Incredibly met my wife at the beginning of of that journey because of a layover on this cheap, weird flight that I had bought. (laughs) Um, And so that worked out and we've been together for 15 years. Um, But I found myself on this beach in rural Thailand. And as a young person, I was 22 years old. I saw these guys jump in this flaming jump rope. And I thought to myself, gee, that looks like fun. What could possibly go wrong here? Um, You know, maybe the the prefrontal cortex wasn't fully formed. And I uh, decided to jump this rope. And the rope is sprayed, has got kerosene on it, um, and it trips me, and it wraps around my legs and lit my bo- lights my body completely on fire to my neck. And thankfully, survival mode kind of kicks in. I jump in the ocean, this ball of flames, it puts out the, it puts out the flames, but not before about 25% of my body is severely burned, particularly my legs and feet. And yeah. I'm in the middle of rural Thailand. I'm in an island on the Gulf of Thailand, no hospital. I have a moped ride down a dirt path to a run room shack. There's yeah. a cat running around my bed and across my chest in this makeshift ICU for eight surgeries. I mean, it's, it's, it's not where you want to be with an injury like this. And about four or five days in, of course, the physical pain is, you know, I've got no skin on the lower half of my body. Uh, it's incredibly painful, third and, second and third degree burns. But the doctor walks in on the fourth or fifth day and he looks me in the eyes and he goes, I hate to tell you this, Colin, but you will probably never walk again normally. And I had been an athlete. I really kind of in my body kind of person. And just in, me, in, one, in one sentence, my identity is just stripped away. You're never going to f- regain full yeah. mobility in your legs. And I'll never, I'll never forget the, the emotional devastation of that moment. But there's a heroine to the story. And this is this turning point. It's my mother. We've talked a lot about her already. Obviously, a huge impact on my life. Um, she flies to Thailand. She's in the hallways with the doctors. They're giving her bad news. She's crying. She's afraid, just like any normal mother would be in this instance. Mm-hmm. But she makes a choice. She chooses 
to not show me her own fear. She chooses to walk into my hospital room every single day with this huge smile on her face, with this air of positivity, daring me to dream about the future. And she's like, exactly the exercise that I just offered up. She's like, dream without limits. This, I'm not going to pretend like this is in a bad situation, but you're 22 years old. Your life's not over. All sorts, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, what, what do you want? You know, what do you want your life to be like? If you could do anything. So she has me close my eyes into a visualization. She says, tell me the first thing you see. And I open my eyes and I like, this is ridiculous, but I'll tell you what I saw. I saw myself crossing the finish line of a triathlon. And now my mom could have been like, okay, that's nice, but the legs, the bandages, the, the <laughs> yeah, wheelchair, the whatever. Like, dead. <laughs> yeah, like maybe, maybe a different goal. But instead she goes, hey, doc. She yells out in the hallway to the doc. Hey, doc, um, my son's actually training for a triathlon. I need you to bring him in some weights. The doctor's like, what? And I have this picture of me in this Thai hospital, bandaged from the waist down, and I'm lifting 10-pound dumbbells. And this Thai doctor is looking at me like, this kid is out of his freaking mind. And I'm like, doc, yeah. I'm training for a triathlon. You know, fast forward, basically, um, several months I was in the Thai hospital, flew back to Oregon, wheelchair, couldn't walk, learned how to walk again in my first few steps. And then 18 months after being burned, 18 months after being told I would never walk again normally, I sign up and I start the Chicago Triathlon. And I, I complete the race. And it's a, you know, a great moment for me to get across that finish line that I visualized. But to my complete and utter surprise, I didn't just finish the race, but I actually won the entire race, which is, you know, in its own way, just kind of a ridiculous part of the story. But the moral of that isn't, oh, and then I realized I just must be some superhuman athlete that can do anything, whatever. The moral of the story is that there is so much power within all of us. All of us are sitting on these reservoirs of untapped potential and it's not the muscles in my legs or my ankles or my knees or the physicality. The most important muscle any of us have is the six inches between our ears. My mother in this moment instilled in me this possible mindset. She did the exercise that you could do at any point in your life. And certainly one mm -hmm. of the exercises you can do during the 12-hour walk, which just says, fine, you are in this circumstance right now. Whoever's listening to this, we're all in a circumstance. We might be stuck, unstuck, living our best life, struggling. You know, that the, the life is the ups and downs of all of that. But in this moment, if you could do anything, what would that look like? But my mom showed me that I could shift my mindset in that direction and actually work toward that to yeah. make that dream become a reality or at least chip away from it. Even if, like I said, the question before, if it seems impossible, well, sure, I'll at least learn something about the process of attempting to get out of this wheelchair, to walk again, to cross this mm -hmm. finish line, et cetera. And so for me, that, that's manifested a lot in the physical space, but this is not a conversation about endurance sports. This is a conversation about life and the art of living. And that exercise for me, I have done over and over and over again throughout my life and throughout my career and throughout my relationships. And that framing of just giving yourself the permission to dare to dream with limitless possibilities for a moment in time can open up so many powerful doors in your mind. Well, thanks for sharing that story. It's 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 definitely inspiring, and it it just makes me think. It's something I call experience stacking because because now you have that you know that first experience of of like mental rehearsal or visualization and just like working towards it. That I imagine for people that don't know, I mean you're not you're not some sort of olympic rower i mean i don't think you were rowing <laughs> yeah. at all before you took on that challenge and whatnot but it's it's kind of it's it's the same mindset right and you worked at obviously you trained for it and worked at it but i mean many people would say like no way like i'm not that's not my thing right like focus on where i've got talent or, or where i've done this before 
Well, and I think that's so interesting because Ben, this is this is goes with the sort of anecdotal age thing we said before. When you're young, you think, oh, I can learn all these things. But for whatever reason, we're programmed like by the time we hit our mid-20s or certainly 30s and 40s, it's like this fixed identity really starts yeah. to kind of sink in. And you know, I, I always like, you know, the, the story I share in the book is, you know, saying I'm going to row across the most dangerous ocean in the world. And then basically being like, oh, and by the way, I've already committed to this goal. I've got Discovery Channel to spend a few million dollars filming a big production. Oh, P.S. I'm leaving in three months and I've never rowed a boat anywhere. I'm not a rower. <laughs> I'm not a rower. But you add one one word to the end of that sentence, it changes everything. I'm not a rower yet. I'm not a yes. rower yet, right? And you've heard so many people say this about their identity. I'm this and I'm not that, right? The classic growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Yeah. But here's the thing that I love to, and I write this in the book as a reminder to people. It's like, yo, Kobe Bryant at some point got a basketball handed to him and he shot his first hoop. Stephen mm-hmm. King, before he wrote 64 best-selling you know, novels of the greatest of all time or whatever, you know, he sat down and wrote a paragraph, a, a, an essay, a, a something. Meryl Streep tried out for her you know, school play at some point. The point being, no matter what age you are at in your life, it's okay to be a beginner. You're not yeah. a blank yet. Just add yet. You can be whatever you dare to dream. You can shift. You can pivot. You can learn. You can evolve. That is all within your grasp. But you have to let go of the limiting belief that says, I am not this. Because when you say, I am not this, without adding the yet, without the belief and what you said, the mirror up to the future of what who you can become, that you will stay in that. You will stay in that identity forever because you have created a cage of your own identity. But when you open up the aperture on all those possibilities, you can be and become anything you want. I've got you fired up and I love it. This is good stuff. (laughs) I'm energized as well. So let's just keep going down that thread because then let's also get realistic with just, you know, we can go through those questions, obviously, and we get clear on what's possible in our own minds. And then life continues to happen. We just literally step outside of our door, turn on any kind of technology, and we get hit with a lot of the stuff that you're talking about from, you know, the pandemic and whatnot. So we're always, I guess what I'm saying is there's almost like an autopilot default mode that if we don't consciously work on our, our minds and our mental fitness, we're going to fall back into that that kind of same track. So for you, you know, when, because, you know, you're, you're a human being as well. I mean, you, you get hit with certain things that throw you off and whatnot. Like, what are some of the non-negotiable practices in your life that allow you to course correct, bring you back, you know, adjust that, you know, making sure that you're not coming off one degree every day type thing? Like, what what works for you? Yeah, you know, I, I say it before and I say it very intentionally, like a, not to be too repetitive, but the most important muscle, you know, I say that about our minds because I I think it's important to frame that because for whatever reason we think of, uh, if I say, yo man, it's summer and I want to have the washboard abs and the jacked, you know, biceps for the beach or something like that. Everyone's mind, even if you're not an athlete, quickly goes to like, okay, man, you're going to lift a bunch of weights. Like you're going to go to the gym and like grind and probably do a better diet or something like that. Like we know you need to flex and develop your biceps. You go hit the mental, you go hit the bench press. 
for whatever reason, we don't connect the same intuitive dots around our mental health, our mental well-being, which is, yo, you want you want the washboard abs of the uh, or, or the big jacked chest of, of your mind? You got to hit the reps on the mental bench press. Meaning, what your your yeah. question is about daily practices, right? About yeah. actually flex and developing, and even the twelve-hour walk. The twelve-hour walk itself is a massive reset, a commitment of a day to invest a day that has an, an, a huge result at the end of it. But that's also just the beginning of, okay, but I'm not asking you to walk 12 hours a day every single day for the rest of time, right? It's like, how do you then integrate that in your day-to-day life? I'm also asking you to turn your phone off for 12 hours once, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not I mean, I'm on my phone every single day as well. Like I'm saying, but then how do you integrate that into your day-to-day life? Yeah. I think, you know, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer to this. Um, more than anything, it's what are those intentional practices that, that fit into your life? For me, meditation has been huge. One of the biggest things, and it's funny because it, I guess it frames around walking again, but in a very different context, is I have this loop. Uh, I live in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, so on a, a rural, pretty quiet street, and uh, you know, neighborhood. There's other houses around, but there's this loop kind of through a neighborhood. It's a dirt, a dirt path um, with a few driveways and things on it. It's a one mile circle from from my front door back to my front door. And uh, I said to my wife, I say, never. Ever, ever, ever am I going to say no to you if you ask me, you want to go do the loop walk? I always Mm. have time for the loop walk. That's kind of like something that I live by. And it's a way of expressing of like, if I need a reset or if my wife needs a reset, we both think we need a reset or whatever in our minds, it's like there's this kind of (laughs) 20-minute... right out our front door yeah. with our dog in nature reset for us. So look, we have a lot of other intentional practices, but there's rarely a day that goes by that we don't work that in into our day. And that, that's generally a walk. We usually leave our phone behind. Again, I'm not trying to get back to walking. Obviously, that's a way that, that my mind and body works. But yeah. I think it's... It's what super are those, underrated though. Walking. Yeah. And we all, we all have access for the most part to walking, Yeah, right? There's no excuse. So to me, that... that, that and again, just like the 12 hour walk at scale, but even as small, like I rarely, and that's why I say, I'll never say no to this. Rarely, yeah. if ever, I can't even think of a time where I get back from that walk with my wife and like feel worse than where I, you know, where I was before it. Oh. Like, it's always just like, huh, okay, I'm glad I did that, which is why it's like, it's never a no. It's always a yes. So I've made that decision one time. I love, I love when you do this, you can make a decision once and then that's a forever decision. It's like, I'm never going to yeah. say no to this. Great. So that's always a yes for me. And some people say, you know, there's, you know, your question is around what are non-negotiables, right? You're like, what is a yeah. non-negotiable? And that, and that's one, that's one for me. There's all sorts of different ways to fit that into your life. Um, but I think that one of the slight tangent, but I, I do think that we have this particularly, you know, super common. I don't have enough time. We're busy. We're busy beings. We have phones yeah. and to-do lists and responsibilities and kids and the soccer practice to drop off and, the, you know, all the things that could have come with life. And again, it's not to say in some life you can declutter your life a little bit, but it's like if you want to engage in the world that we live in, you know, I'm not saying be a hermit in a cave somewhere, right? You're going to have those things. But the problem is that I think we often find, and I'm guilty of this at times as well, is that we're willing to put all these to-do lists and meetings and whatever, but we're not willing to take like the 30 minutes for ourselves. And if we took yeah, the 30 minutes for, sure. for ourselves in this non-negotiable daily practice, actually all the other things, showing up as a better father, showing up as a better mother, showing up a better as a colleague, showing up more creative at work. It's actually, it's not 30 minutes that's taking away from those things. It's not a 12-hour walk yeah. that's t- making you a worse parent because one day you weren't there. It actually is going to make you a better person, a better version of better, more fully realized, actualized version of yourself well and well into the future. It's 
so true. It, it, it makes it, I have a, a quote in my book uh, that's from Ryan Holiday, one of the chapters, and it, it's, I'll paraphrase, it's just something along the lines of, like, you know, in order, in order to think more clearly, to have the big ideas, to see the path forward, we, we have to quiet the noise, like, you know, get rid of the distractions and just let our minds be still, right? And, and I think it's, it's kind of what you're saying there that, but we don't, it's coming, it's, I'm starting to sh- see a shift, but we're not there yet where it doesn't, it, it still feels unproductive, right? Where it's like, oh, I could be cramming the emails instead of even, even myself now, I'm really trying to commit right after lunch to go kind of like your loop walk, you know, 20 minutes just to reset, fire up for the, for the afternoon where I could for sure be doing a million other things. But to your point, you come back and you always feel great, right? And, and it, you like, actually oh, probably might get more, you might actually do get more emails done, oh, even though you took that break. Like that, that's, that's yeah, the irony for of it. Sure. And I always well, say, that's you know, lifting. that's the mental lifting. Totally. And that's the, it is it, funny, but it's like, you know, we have this, this idea, I think in our society that's self-care is selfish. Like it's, it's taking away, oh, I'm doing yeah. this for myself and therefore I'm not, you know, doing work better, showing up better, whatever. And like the reframe on that is, you know, uh, self-care isn't selfish. It's selfless. It's making you better, which means you're actually better at all those other things. And so it's just, it's an interesting paradox, but it's a reframe in the mind. You are going to have your biggest, to Ryan Holiday's point, you're going to have your biggest creative breakthrough. I promise you, it's not going to be in a day full of to-do lists. It's going to be a day of reflection and inflection um, and, and uh, curiosity. And you know, that, that is where you conjure up those moments for sure. It's amazing. Well, brother, I could talk to you forever. I want to, but I want to respect your time and 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 start wrapping up. And you know, I guess the last question I I have maybe two questions for you. One, just what, like, what do you hope people get out of the book and and the global walk or your solo walk on your own? Like, it doesn't matter when you do it, but like, what's what's your hope that people get out of this? You know, first and foremost, you know, when you put a creative project in the world, you know, put, you know, the, the, the heart and soul into putting the words on the page. Um, I think that the, the ultimate impact, which is the bigger is, uh, is, is, is more depth and growth within oneself. And I'll get back to that in a second, sure. but I also hope people are entertained as hell, right? Like I love stories. I'm a passionate yeah. storyteller. Oh, you are for sure. Um, and and I, I love, that's why I'm a voracious reader. That, that's why I, I love hearing other people's stories. Like that lights me up. But as humans, like stories have been passed down. That's how we have learned. You know, that's why the Bible is the way the Bible is, right? Yeah. Um, and so I hope also in terms of the, the depth, the, the, the surface level is, I hope you're entertained. I hope you enjoy it, you know, because there, there's some fun anecdotes um, and edge of your seat storytelling in there. But more importantly, what I hope people get out of this is that they look in that mirror at themselves. Um, and I set that goal. I say, my Everest is to inspire 10 million people to take the 12-hour walk. And uh, I'll, even, I'll even own it. It's a selfish goal. But it's not selfish in the way that you think. It's not selfish because it's like, oh, I want to sell all these books and have another New York Times bestseller book next to my name. Like, whatever. I don't, you know, that's, that's it's yeah. immaterial to me. It's selfish in the sense is I want to live in a world. I want to live in a world beside more people who are living fully expressed who are Hell sitting here yeah. listening to this, just going like, man, I'm in a rut. I'm whatever. 
but I want to be lit up by your creativity. I want your ideas to be the next thing that lights me up and inspires me. And so if I can be with this book, my hope is that it's a catalyst for creative expression, for people living their best and fullest lives within themselves, because that echo, that echo, you imagine the 10 million people living in that truth. Well, that affects their neighbors, their friends, their family members, sure. their spouses. And what is that ripple effect at scale? It's exponential and it's a, it's a, beautiful, uh, a beautiful vision. So that's what I hope people get out of it is a uh, full, full expression of themselves by taking this time, investing this day, conquering their own mind and unlocking their best life. When we're mentally fit, we all win. I mean, that's just, that's just the, the, the lesson with that one. It just, and there's just really no downside. It's, uh, well, I, I, for one, am incredibly grateful for, for you and your mind and the questions you've reflected on over your life, because, because of that, the ripple effect has helped, you know, literally millions of people. So, you know, a huge and a higher thank you for, for that, along with making time to come on the show, but really for, for living, you know, your, your dreams, living your purpose and, and challenging others to think differently, ask different questions and just thrive, right? We all deserve we all deserve to thrive in life. I, you know, there's no reason to be kind of pulled down and, and, and held back with all these limiting beliefs. So, so thank you. Thank you for unlocking that in so many different people. My pleasure, man. Well, uh, it's so fun to sit here with you. I am a, I'm a passionate fan of yours as well. Personal Socrates, that's full of so much wisdom, so many good questions. Um, and, and as you know, since you wrote the book about it, uh, better questions, better life. So uh, the 12-hour <laughs> walk is a way to dive into those better questions in your own mind as well and come up with your own answers. Because one of the things I talk about in the book is I say, people say, I don't have the answer. I'm like, you do have the answer. I oh, actually yeah. fundamentally believe that you do. It lives inside of you. You're in intuition, your gut, your mindset is actually all within you. It is all within you. Um, so uh, yeah. I'm energized. Thanks for that. And everyone check it out this show. Uh, the book's going to be out in a couple days. Make sure you register your walk. Don't go down the track that I did where I made all these excuses, even though I did sign up, just do it, sign up, go for it, share about it. And here's to the journey and thriving minds. 